Wonderful. So we're starting a new Advent series. I know technically Advent started last Sunday officially, but for the next four Sundays, we're going to be looking at the Advent themes of peace, joy, love, and this morning we're going to kick off with hope, with hope. I'm just going to pray because we need God's help in this, don't we? Father, I just acknowledge your wonderful presence here with us. I just thank you for it. It's so good just to, to come and adore you, to come and endure, adore Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We so love your presence. And I just uh, acknowledge my need of your Holy Spirit now as we proclaim truth. It's only you that can transform hearts. It's only you that can change us. And we ask for that this morning. We pray for fresh hope to come in every person here, in the kids' work, in our own hearts, every life. Hope to come. Amen. Amen. So Advent simply means coming or arrival. There's a sense of anticipation. I don't know about you, but I always think Christmas comes just at the right time of year. You know, right as the, as the year is drawing to a close, as, we're, as the nearest year is nearly done, because sometimes we feel like we're almost done as well by the end of it, as the days draw shorter and darker and colder, isn't it wonderful that there's this, there's this excitement, there's this anticipation of celebration at the end of the year, hope is on its way. And of course, that very first Christmas there had been an awful, awfully long run-up. I mean, it had been 400 years of silence since the, the last prophet had declared that a saviour was to come, a saviour of the world was to come. 400 years of waiting, of hoping, longing for this fulfilment. One day, a saviour of the world was to come. And in fact, we could wind back over a thousand years before that, to when, when Abraham was first called by God with a promise that through his offspring, all the nations of the world would be blessed. However you look at it, that first run-up to Christmas, that first advent, if you like, was seriously long. But then, one day, the angels finally declared good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Today, finally, a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. The promise has been fulfilled. Advent has always and always will be about hope. I wonder what you are hoping for Christmas. Maybe you've got a specific present. Maybe it's simply, you're simply hoping for a better one than last year. You know, maybe, maybe you're hoping to see friends and family. Maybe you're just hoping to see someone this Christmas. Christmas can be a very difficult time for many. Some of you, it might even just be a hope that you'll get through it okay. It's very simple to know what my son Ben is hoping for this Christmas. He is hoping for a Barcelona football kit. And we know this because it feels like for the last six months... He's been saying, oh, I hope I get a Barcelona kit for Christmas. I hope I get a Barcelona kit for Christmas. It's very clear what he is hoping for. 
But I don't know if you've noticed that usually when we use the term hope, it is more often than not linked with doubt and uncertainty. You know, if, I don't know if you've noticed that. You know, I hope, uh, I hope Southern Rail are actually running this evening. You know, it's, it's that I really hope. You look at the, the clouds forming, oh, I hope it's not going to rain. Or, or, you know, I hope our boiler makes it through another winter. There's, there's, it's usually tinged with, or even partnered with, linked with, uncertainty and doubt, which is why we, we often use the phrase, let's not get our hopes up. You know, better not get your hopes up. And all we're doing there is just protecting ourselves. We're protecting our hearts from disappointment. From the last time we hoped in something and it let us down. We're protecting ourselves from hurt again. Better not get our hopes up. But the thing is, when the Bible talks about hope, and it talks about hope an awful lot, it is never linked with doubt or uncertainty. Quite the opposite, in fact. It is always partnered with faith. When we read about hope in the Bible, we need to think of a completely different way that we use hope. It is always partnered with faith. Hope is a vital component to our faith. And, and really, my message this morning is super simple. I felt God just say, we need to keep hope alive. We need to keep hope alive. And I'm just going to give two main reasons. One, because we need it. <laughs> we need to be in hope. We need to keep hope alive. And secondly, because our world needs hope. Our world needs to see hope in us. So two reasons. So firstly, we need hope. And as I said, hope is linked with faith. And a key verse is Hebrews 1, sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence, notice that word confidence, in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not yet see. Confidence, assurance. This is the sort of hope the Bible talks about. You could say hope is faith in the future tense. People often say that. Hope is faith in the future tense. I actually prefer how particularly the King James translates that verse. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, without faith, our hope has no substance, which is why you end up getting hope linked with doubt because it is hope without faith in God. Therefore, it lacks substance. I was trying to work out a way of describing this, and I saw Ben's boxing glove in here. I thought I'd put it to good use. Ben, I have asked Ben's permission, by the way, to, to use him as, as a multiple illustration, and he said, yeah. So there we go. But um, this is Ben's boxing glove. My hand only just fits in it. But imagine this glove is hope, and my fist is faith. Okay, it's a powerful combination, hope and faith. Faith gives substance to hope. If I remove faith, it just becomes a bit of a floppy, bit of a floppy glove. I don't know if anyone wants to volunteer. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have much impact. Okay, hope without faith has no substance. It's just a floppy glove. And yet, when we have faith and hope in partnership, it is powerful. 
it has an impact. In the same way that faith without hope is lacking a vital ingredient, it's, it's, because, it's actually ineffective. If we don't have hope, we actually don't have faith. They are linked together. You could say that hope releases the full potential of our faith. Hope that's, hope that's a bit clearer. It releases the full potential of our faith. Think of a boxing glove. Anyway, the reason why is because our hope is rooted in the faithfulness of our God. That is why we can have confidence in his goodness, in his power, in his love. We can hope with confidence. A chapter earlier in Hebrews 10:23 it says, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess." Why can we do this? Because he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. So rather than say, let's not get our hopes up, we actually need to do the reverse. We need to say to each other as well, let's get our hopes up in God. Why? Because he is faithful. Because as Romans 5.5 says, hope in God, and that's the vital component, hope in God does not disappoint us. So we can say, let's get our hopes up. Why? Because hope in God does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The thing is, we can get so used to protecting our hearts from disappointment, you know, because we've put our hope in circumstances or in people that have let us down. That when it comes to hoping in God and hoping in his promises and standing on his word, we actually do the same. I better not get my hopes up. And so we lower our expectation about what he will do. We lower our expectation about what he can accomplish through you. And that affects us massively in the way we outwork our faith. Think about healing. When we approach someone for healing, I don't really want to get their hopes up. I don't want to get my hopes up. We're not releasing the full potential of our faith unless we're combining it with hope in God because he who promised is faithful. The thing is, we're not alone in this, thankfully. The psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 5, he's speaking to himself and he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's speaking to himself, and he says this, Hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. There will come a day. I will praise him. Hope in God. It, you know, it, it's a message we need to keep speaking to our hearts, preaching to ourselves, preaching to each other. Hope in God. Put your trust in God, because it doesn't come naturally to us. But our very faith needs it. It needs it. Also, our our emotional well-being needs hope. Hope is what motivates us. It's what keeps us moving forward. It, it, It keeps us from settling because we're hoping for change. We're hoping for breakthrough. We're hoping for better things, for new things. 
And it, and it keeps moving us forward. When, when hope goes, not only does faith go, but, but motivation goes. We think, well, what's the point? What's the point? I've said that phrase too many times. What's the point? Why are you so downcast, my soul? Hope in God, for yet I will still praise him. We need to keep preaching it to ourselves. Because it doesn't come naturally. I mean, lack of hope is the reason given why so many U.S. voters didn't vote at the presidential elections. 90 million people who could have voted didn't vote. And the reason given is because they had no hope in either candidate. Hope is a massive, powerful motivator. And lack of hope is a powerful demotivator. Hope has also been described as a reservoir of emotional strength that we can dip into. I was just um, reading Isaiah 40, and it just says, those who hope in God renew their strength. It's a, it's a spiritual and emotional reservoir. And like all reservoirs, we need to keep on feeding it. We need to keep on preaching hope to ourselves. Feed this reservoir of hope. If you know your reservoir of hope is low, feed it. Preach to yourself. I mean, Psalm 33:20. Wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In him our hearts will rejoice, for we will trust in his holy name. There's that sense of come on. We will trust in him. We will put our hope in him. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. When it comes to God, when it comes to his goodness and his faithfulness, we can and should get our hopes up. But it's important, actually, that we, we make sure that our hope is well-placed. It's in the right place. You know, it, even to the point that our, our hope isn't actually in the breakthrough that we're longing for, but actually our hope is in the one who brings the breakthrough. Subtle, but it's important. That our hope isn't just in the healing, but it's in the healer. That our hope isn't just in the, in the provision, but it's in the provider. That's where our hope should be placed. It's in him. It's in him. I think an illustration of this, is, there's, there's many, but one that sprung to mind was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego facing the fiery furnace in, in Daniel 3. Many of you know it. They're about to be thrown into this furnace for refusing to worship this idol. But amazingly, their hope wasn't, wasn't simply in being saved from this pretty horrendous fate, but their hope was firmly placed in God. They replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, we, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. You know, he's mighty, he's strong. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, incredible hope in their God. But it was placed firmly in him. This, this incredible faith that came with it, it was rooted in their knowledge and their love and their adoration of God. Hope in God, it changes you. It emboldens you to stand in face of trials. 
You know, but we need to keep fighting for it. We need to be aware that, that hope so easily is lost. I mean, just turn on the news. You almost feel hope being sucked out of you. As you look at the headlines, you think, oh, God, you've got to move. We need revival here. And yet when we hope in God, we know that there's a peace and a security that is not based on circumstances, but on the character and the promises of God. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered on our behalf. The question is, do you know this anchor for your soul? This anchor that stops you being blown from, from, from left to right in the storms of life, that keeps you focused, that keeps you on track. Do you know this anchor? I'm always inspired by people who I know are going through some really difficult storms, huge difficulties, and yet remain steadfast. Uh, you know, continuing to keep their eyes on Jesus. Yes, they might have loads of questions, but, but, the, but they're remaining faithful. Why? Because they know this anchor. This anchor for the soul, this hope in the faithfulness of God. Claire's mum, my mother-in-law, is one of them. Inspirational. There are many in this room, in this church, also, inspirational. But you know what? This anchor is something that every follower of Jesus can know. Every one of us can know because Jesus has gone before. This, this inner sanctuary that this verse talks about, it's the Holy of Holies. It was where God dwelt in the temple by his spirit. And it had this heavy curtain. Only the high priest could go in there once a year. And yet when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus took on himself the sins of the world, that temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, declaring that we can now know the presence of God, even in the storms of life. We can be anchored into his presence. Hope anchors us into God's presence. We can know this peace. We need to keep hope alive, okay? We need to keep hope alive for our spiritual and emotional well-being. But also, secondly, the world needs hope. Let's face it, it needs hope. I spoke a few weeks ago about, in the UK, so many young people have said they've got nothing to live for. Just hopeless. It's tragic, isn't it? It's so sad. Nothing to live for. We look at global politics. We, we look at the conflicts, humanitarian disasters. We, we think of Aleppo and so many other places. The world needs hope. And we know the only place where hope never disappoints is in God. It's in Jesus, isn't it? It's the only place. Hoping in the God who is faithful. And he proved it, didn't he, that first Christmas? He proved his faithfulness by sending his one and only son. We were singing about it, light into darkness. 
sending hope into despair. That first Christmas, one of my favorite Christmas carols, O Holy Night, says this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The world is pining. Till he appeared and the spirit felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices. O night divine, the night when Christ was born. You kind of want to break out into song. I won't, don't worry. But I love that line. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. Our world is so weary. And yet we can bring this hope, this thrill of hope, and can make a weary world rejoice. Yeah, this Christmas, let's make sure that we ourselves are displaying this, this thrill of hope to those around us. People need to know there is hope for this broken and hurting world, that there is hope for them. Take a Christmas invite, knock on your neighbor's door and say, I want you to know there is hope for a weary world. Come and find out about hope this Christmas. Let them see the thrill of hope in your own life. Because the truth is each one of us are hope carriers If you know Jesus this morning, you are a hope carrier. Wherever you go, you carry with you the promises of God. You carry with you the Spirit of God, which in itself is a a fulfillment of a promise. A down payment of a future inheritance to come. We, We carry this hope. We carry the wonderful presence of God wherever we go. We need to be aware of this. And Peter encourages us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared to give a reason. And the only reason why people are going to ask you about the hope that you have is if they see it in you, if they see it in your life. You know, hope is, is, is visible, Hope is visible. It's, it's not passive. 1 Peter calls it living hope. Living hope. It's visible. It, it completely changes our outlook. It changes our perspective. When hope comes, it, it changes the way we walk through our day. It changes the decisions we make. changes the way we speak to people changes our actions. Hope transforms us. And people notice that. People notice that. I've mentioned this before, but I remember when I used to work for Island Records and they were laying off people left, right and center. And one of my colleagues came to me and he he said, why are you not so stressed? Why are you not anxious? You know, do you know something that we don't? And before I had a chance to answer, he said, oh, it's because you've got God, isn't it? It's because you know God. And it was just a brilliant opportunity to tell him about this, this anchor of hope that I had in Jesus. It was, there was, they, they recognized something. And we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. So just in the time we've got left, three very quick reasons 
for hope this Christmas. There are many, many more, okay? I've just, these are the three that tripped off the top of my head. Firstly, we can have hope this Christmas because God is with us. God is with us. We sing about this time of year, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Jesus taking on human flesh to show us what God is like. What is he like? He is love. He came for the lost and the broken and the hurting and the lonely. He he came to show that you matter to God. That you and I have a value and a worth that he was prepared to die for, to reconcile you to the Father. Incredible. God is with us. We have a hope because he's still with us. Jesus is still our Emmanuel by his Spirit. We're not left as orphans. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. He's given us his Holy Spirit, the one who is always in us, who is always at work in us, who is always empowering us and guiding us, changing us. What a hope we have. We can know this, this peace that surpasses understanding. You know, basically, it means we have a peace that doesn't make sense. Have you ever experienced that? A peace that just does not make sense. I'm looking around me. I should not be this peaceful. Uh, It's amazing. It comes from God. Confidence in Him. A peace that goes beyond understanding. doesn't make sense. But I just sense God's presence with me through this. Peace comes. We can know confidence in Him. Whatever life throws at us. Because He is good. And He is faithful. And He is with us. He is with us. Secondly, we can have hope in Christmas, this Christmas, because every day we can know the joy of sins forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? Let us never lose the wonder of waking up every morning knowing we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. Whatever went on yesterday, last week, keep short accounts. God, Thank you for that blood we've been celebrating, we've been, we've been taking communion, been washed clean. What freedom, what release. Jesus came to be that sacrificial lamb, to take on him every single sin, past, present, and future, on himself, to pay the penalty that we might know freedom. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from the past, you know, so we can be reconciled to him, made right with him. We can have hope in him because he has dealt with sin once and for all. There is hope for those who are struggling with sin this morning. There is hope for those who are struggling because they've been sinned against. We can forgive because we ourselves have been forgiven. We've been reconciled with the Father. We're children of God. 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. I love that word, lavished. Always think of ice cream for some reason, lavished. How great the Father, the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We can have hope this Christmas. Thirdly, third reason to be hopeful We have hope of eternal life. We have a hope of eternal life with God. 
that this hope goes beyond the grave. It's an everlasting hope. You know, in many ways, we are still in a period of waiting. We're still in a period of Advent, this time for the second coming of Jesus, for the return of Jesus, when he will come for his church, for his brides. But we wait with hopeful anticipation for the day when he will make all things new. All things new. 2 Peter 3.13, in keeping with his promise, the one who is faithful, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Don't you just love the fact that, that our Bible gives us a picture, that God has given us a picture of the future? A vision that inspires hope. I read out, I think it was last week, Revelation 21, verses 3 to 5. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. What a hope. What a hope we have. We know these words are trustworthy. They're dependable because Jesus came that first Christmas to take our pain and to take our suffering, to give us new life. And yes, we live in this now but not yet of the kingdom. We know one day this will be fully fulfilled when Jesus returns, but we have hope. We wait in hope and we pray and we see increasingly his kingdom coming. It's an advancing kingdom. Gives us wonderful hope. We have hope as well that we won't just be with him forever, but we will also be like him. It's an amazing hope, isn't it? We will be like him. 1 John 3 verse 2 to 3. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as, we, just as he is pure. It's interesting, isn't it? Hope is linked with faith. It's also here linked with, with purity, with holiness. Hope is vital to our, our, our spiritual walk. As we hope, we are made holy. We're, we're set apart. We're, we're distinct from those around us. And as I said, people will notice. And when they notice, we can simply point them to the reason for our hope. We point them to Jesus. We point them to the anchor of our soul. We, we point them to the, to the author and the perfecter of our faith, the finisher. We can point them to the, the one Isaiah prophesied, in whose name the nations will put their hope. The, the, the Hebrew there is, it actually means the, the islands, the distant shores. Isn't it amazing to think that we're one of those islands now, today, thousands of years on, declaring our hope in God? We're fulfillment of this. In whose name the nations will put their hope. Hope in God always surpasses our dreams, never disappoints. 
It always surpasses our dreams because we're hoping in the God who is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. What are you hoping for today? Put your hope in God, in the one who is able to do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And this hope, this this confidence, this assurance, it's rooted in knowing God. It's rooted in his character. It's rooted in him. We can know him. Interestingly, Ben has stopped saying he's hoping for a Barcelona kit. He's now saying he's getting a Barcelona kit. He's telling all his friends, I'm getting a Barcelona kit for Christmas. He's telling us, I'm getting a Barcelona kit for Christmas. Part of me wants to kind of say, stop being so presumptuous. But another part of me thinks, well, it basically has come to realize that his confidence is based on the fact that he knows his mum and dad. He knows we love him. He knows we want to bless him. His confidence is rooted in our love for him. That's why he's so confident. Whether his confidence is misplaced, I'll let you guys find out in the new year. But how much more can we be confident in our God who is love, who is totally faithful and perfect in all his ways. We can put hope in his plans for our life. They might not look like our plans. They often don't because his ways are higher than our ways. But we can have confidence in his plans for our lives. You know, that first Christmas, they were, they were hoping, Jews were hoping for, for God to restore Israel. And however unexpected that first Christmas was, God's plan was way bigger, wasn't it? To restore mankind to himself. He is able to do abundantly more than we can even hope for. Put your hope, your confidence in him. If the bank had come up, I'm just going to pray over us. But really my heart, particularly this Christmas, let's allow hope in God to fill our hearts but then allow it to overflow into our community, into the lives of people who need to to know real hope. Maybe we could just stand. I'm just going to pray hope over us. I'm going to read out Romans 15, verse 13, over us as a church. And why don't you apply this to whatever situation you are feeling. We're going to have a time of prayer after we've perhaps sung sung a song, but maybe this morning you are feeling hopeless. Maybe you see no way forward. Remember, hope in God. His ways are far greater than our ways. And hoping in Him never disappoints. Just going to pray this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound, it literally means overflow, in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.